The standard is the standard, or so we're told on a fairly regular basis. But what is that actually? What is the goal for the 2023 NFL season? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Minicamp, the formal minicamp, the mandatory minicamp opens tomorrow on the south side. I'll be over there covering that for DK Pittsburgh Sports, which frees things up today for a bit more of a general subject and, and one that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately. Because while I don't at all subscribe to the betters apparently thinking that the Steelers 7-2 and finish last year meant absolutely nothing, that in fact that they're going to go right ahead and finish dead last in their division for the first time in 33 years, I should parenthetically add, I also don't know what the upper end is. It's easy and arguably lazy to suggest that, well, if you get into the tournament, anything can happen. It, it can to an extent. You can have an upset. You can even have a couple upsets. You're not going to win at all by upsetting everybody. So what's real? What's fair? What's something that at the end of the coming season, you'd say to yourself, even after a playoff loss, you know, I was okay with that. That was a good quality step forward for me. I'm ready and excited to see what comes next. Yeah, I know that would never happen. <laughs> I just had to throw it in there anyway. <laughs> but what would be fair, even with a clearer perspective, let's say, you know, three, four weeks after said playoff loss, would it be just winning a single playoff game? Would it be... A healthy and strong regular season that would be better than the 9-8 and eight that they just had. Followed up by, gasp, the first playoff victory in half a decade. Would that be it? Or would you be more into a significantly improved regular season, even if that came with one of those ugly thuds in the playoffs? You know, like the loss to Jacksonville here. That kind of thing, where you just say, that's just fluky. We're not going to take that too seriously. I'll tell you where I am, okay? Because I, I know what the Steelers' own answer to this is going to be, and it's it's just Super Bowl this, Super Bowl that. They say it every year, no matter what the circumstances are. They said it in the summer after Ben had retired. So they've lost their license to offer any sort of standards as to what it is that they're expecting to achieve that coming season. They're just going to say Super Bowl, and they've said it so often that you don't even hear it. Well, here's mine. Okay, and I'm going to say in advance that you're going to hate this because I know everybody likes to have real hard and fast numbers, and I'm not ready to do that. I want to see the full roster. I want to see what training camp looks like. I want to see at least some preseason before I get into they're going to finish with this many wins, this many losses, whatever. Here's mine. It's going to start with separated and distinct team statistics. Chiefly, offensive points per game. The Steelers averaged 18.6 of those in 2022. That ain't it. 
and to add all these pieces that they've added to have this additional maturity that's rightly expected of everyone who was a rookie last year or even was a second year player last year, that they all should be that much better to have an offensive line that's added Isaac Salmalu and a number 14 overall pick to have a full offseason, preseason, and yes, regular season in which your starting quarterback knows he's the starting quarterback. All of those things I just mentioned should make everyone involved in the offense, including you-know-who as coordinator, be completely excuse-proof. Now, I'm not about to say that they should put up 30 points per game. That was the Todd Haley bar, some of you will remember, for when the the Ben offense was at its absolute peak. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, everything, that whole line. But I am going to say that I expect to see 25 per game. And I know, I know, that's a whole nother touchdown. But I really don't think it's asking that much. First rounder at QB, first rounder at running back, that line we've been talking about. Second rounders at either bookend of the tight end position. Look at the talent, prospectively anyway, that's at wide receiver, especially with George Pickens. Is there a superstar in that mix? I don't know. Maybe Pickens, maybe not anybody. But is there talent? Yes. Is there depth? Yes. Is there now markedly more experience than there was a year ago? Yes. Yes. And if this team concurrently can pick up an additional touchdown per game just from the offense, that changes a lot of things on both sides of the ball. I don't know that the defense is going to be better, in large part because the defense was tied for the NFL lead with interceptions last year. And while Minka Fitzpatrick's still there, I don't know what you're going to get out of DeMonte KZ. I, I, and I understand that Terrell Edmonds wasn't picking off a bunch of balls, but I know that Cam Sutton was part of that and that they didn't want to lose Cam. And that even though they've replaced him with a guy who might end up in Cooperstown and Pat Peterson, and they also have a first-round pick, Joey Porter Jr., and others that they're excited about, we, right now, none of us, don't know how that secondary is going to shape up. And that was the strongest suit of that defense in 2022. We can predict all kinds of things with the pass rush. We can say that the pass rush will be disruptive. It'll be dangerous. It'll be phenomenal, just like it was two, three years ago. But we don't know that because TJ's coming off a couple of significant injuries. We don't know about the defensive line. We definitely don't know about the inside linebackers. So is the defense going to be as good as last year's? I don't think that's a very safe bet. So I'm going to go back to that one statistic, just one, and that is offensive points per game. Get that thing from 18.6 and jump all the way to 25, and we'll start talking when we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG is a personal injury law firm in Western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. 
They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. LGKG. Today's J1Q comes from Randy McCracken who says, DK, I think the reason there are so many questions about who's looking good in OTAs and off-season work is because we're all hungry for football and it's all we've got right now. Randy, I hear you. And for anybody who doesn't know, Randy's responding to, I guess I poke some gentle fun. I, I don't make a habit of doing that, but it, at listeners who will just constantly bring up, how does this guy look? How does that guy look? And if you spent five, ten minutes at any of these things, and I understand that not everybody can. That's why I said I'm not taking that stuff very seriously. You'd know what I mean when I say there just isn't that much to discern. It's not that interesting. It's definitely not something from which you would say, well, today's number one star was. You just, you couldn't do that. There are a handful of drills that happen within each two-hour session, almost all of them involving simple passing sequences and or getting down to the goal line and and working on two-point plays where you can say, all right, that wide receiver beat that DB or that DB really did a great job of reading that coverage, but none of the ancillary stuff is involved. There are no pass rushes of note. There's nothing physical at all that happens, including, including in the coverage, meaning pass coverage. So even that's not there to be told. And that's why anytime you ask Mike Tomlin a question about this stuff, and I know, I know all of you have heard this answer before, it's football in shorts. It's football in shorts. So you try a different way to ask something about something that might have happened on the field, and you'll get it's football on shorts anyway. That's because he's right. There's just not very much to get from it. So when you see, hear, or read someone discussing, for example, Corey Trice Jr., and I think that's the way that this subject came up on our show last week. Don't take it too far. You don't know yet. He doesn't know yet. The coaching staff doesn't know yet what he can or can't handle in a camp setting. But here, let's take this just a little bit further. Let's say, hypothetically here, that Trice were to continue to show well over these next three days of minicamp, whatever that entails. And Tomlin and Terrell Austin and Grady Brown all get together after these OTAs are done. And they say to themselves, hey, you know what, gentlemen, when we reconvene at St. Vincent College, we like this kid, but we want to test him. We want to find out what he's all about. Do you know 
what Tomlin's going to do to Trice? Do you know what's actually going to happen? I can guarantee you if there are any former players of his who are listening to this show right now, they're all nodding along with me because they know he's going to put Deontay Johnson up against him. Now, you and I can throw our noses up at Deontay because of the running backward thing and whatever else here. He would be your worst nightmare in a camp setting because you're not going to play him super physically and you're not going to have any clue or wherewithal as to how to cover one of the NFL's three at most five best wide receivers in terms of route running. I'll say it again. You cannot like a lot of things about Deontay's game. You cannot argue with his ability to get open. There's a reason that Ben once said he can't be covered. And if you put Deontay with his diverse skill set against that kid, you're going to be doing that for the pure purpose of exposing him. Not to make a point of it and not to make him uh, you know, feel like he's not good enough but to let him know how far it is that his game actually has to go. It's, in a way, a measure of respect that's paid by the coaching staff. And it comes, by the way, with a lot more value than lining him up against, say, Patrick Peterson. You don't have anything to learn about either Deontay or Peterson. You have a lot to learn about these young corners. Maybe it'll be Joey Porter Jr., but mark my words, it's going to be Deontay that goes against the young corner that they'd most want to test. Remember this, mark it down. We will bring it up when those drills begin out there. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 